So my parting advice would be to figure out who you are and then shamelessly be you. No excuses or disclaimers, just you. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancedwealth.com. As the saying goes, well-behaved women rarely make history. I know my best work has come when I've trusted my gut, used my voice, and honored my authentic self. While it's important to be professional, being focused on fitting in and not standing out can actually be harmful to your career. So I have invited Shannon McCoby, a leadership expert with a career background in national security, biomedical technology, and corporate strategy. She possesses a distinct talent for leading new, stressed, or growth-oriented organizations and excels at developing and leading focused, high-performing teams engaged in all phases of enterprise operations. And Shannon has years of international experience, and she's chosen a career path that I find interesting and varied. And so I thought she would be a perfect guest to discuss the value of not fitting in. So welcome, Shannon, to the podcast today. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I mean that in the best of way, the not fitting in, by the way, just so you know. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So when we first chatted, we were introduced by a fellow colleague who actually has been on this show, Lisa Danforth, and uh, she introduced us and we talked. One of the things you let me know is that when you started out, um, you know, graduating from college, you wanted to be a school teacher, but you ended up joining the CIA. Now, that is a very different (laughs) turn of events. So it seems kind of badass to me, and I really like that about you. Um, But it certainly doesn't seem like the way your typical female graduate would make a career selection or fit in. So tell me a little bit about why you took this unusual path. And and then we'll get into kind of how it's benefited you that you didn't go the school teacher route right away. Sure. Um, I grew up in a family where many of my relatives were and still are, in fact, school teachers. And I respect them and their profession tremendously and naturally wanted to be just like them. I've always appreciated the opportunity to serve and to help others. And then when I was in college, 9-11 happened, and one of my big brothers, a Navy jet pilot, was killed. Oh, and now, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, he was my, my best friend and an inspiration for, for much in my life, to include the pivot from being a school teacher, because now I'm making a decision of what I want to do with my career. And I realized that my big brother didn't get to finish the mission he started, so I felt obliged to do so on his behalf. 
My dad and both my brothers were in the Navy, and I've never liked to be just like everyone else, so I joined the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lovely way to honor your brother's memory. I actually, I think I told you before, I'm a Navy brat, so I'm all for mm -hmm. service. But tell me, how do you think it benefited you that you took a different career path? Obviously, to honor your brother, but then you, you stayed in the CIA for a little while. Yeah, I did. Um, I'd say that working in the agency was an extraordinary experience. The opportunity to serve your country with some of your best friends in exciting and ever-changing times was a treasure to me. It benefited me tremendously in teaching me how to handle ambiguous situations, gain a balanced perspective on life and work, and really gave me a shrewd emotional intelligence. All of these lessons I've carried through every job since. I still have a dream of being a school teacher someday, but I must say that the, my time with the agency really offered a lot of great opportunity and skills. Well, you know, you, you, when you said that, I still have a dream of being a school teacher someday, I smiled because, you know, you've got a long career ahead of you and you never know. And I, I feel like some of the work that you do is certainly in the education or teacher realm, but I know you have a passion for authentic leadership. You coach and, and you consult with clients to be themselves and to practice what you preach. That's the educational part. I think that's just a different mm -hmm. type than being a school teacher. So why do you think you're so focused on being yourself and not focusing too much on fitting in or fitting the mold? I've had the benefit of not fitting in so many times in my life that I've had an outward view of how people connect and interact when acting authentically or not. And it starts back to when I was a kid. My parents took us to Brazzaville, Congo when we were very little. It was during the Cold War and there were very few American kids living in Congo. So my brothers and I were quite different from, from our peers. And this was the start of me developing a bit outside the norm of the typical American gal and the journey of me being slightly different than everyone else. And I've you fast forward to when I came back to the U.S., I tried to be cool and I tried to know the songs or the songs or the games that all the other kids like, and I just didn't. And each time I tried to morph who I was to fit in, it was an epic fail. But fortunately, as I advanced in the professional world, I tried less to fit in and more to be me. And it's through this that I learned that when I was my true self, that life seemed to move along the best and be the most satisfying. I, I also did a little research because I'm a bit of a nerd and like to know why you feel a certain way or do certain things. And I learned that there is theory behind this, that it is actually a silly endeavor to be someone you're not. Firstly, because it creates a false foundation. So you block that genuine connection with others. But it also creates this emotional strain on us, which can lead to burnout. And we're already so exhausted juggling the various parts of life from family to self-care to work. And I find that being comfortable standing out as your authentic self not only relieves that strain and burnout, but it also generates this more positive and meaningful relationship with others. And I'm all about optimizing life. So a few ways to me are better than doing this when you get more energy by just being you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, I used to work as in counseling and I used to work with a lot of women and we, we would talk about the false sense of self and like, you know, someone would walk in and you'd be like, wow, they're really disconnected from who they are. And I certainly have had times in my life where I haven't been as connected with who I am at the core. And it mm -hmm. is tiring to fit in. But so many of us are kind of convinced that we're supposed to fit in, that we're supposed to be well-behaved. And it does. It takes a lot of energy. And I love that you did a little bit of research to kind of help us figure out that it's not just us saying that. It's also uh, there's some research out there as well. And, and 
you know, when I think about when I'm my authentic self and when I think about I'm just being who I am, you know, part of me, <laughs> like it or not, I'm a little devilish. I can misbehave. I'm professional, um, but I can I can misbehave. And, and when I don't worry about fitting in and I just worry about speaking my truth or my life purpose or whatever term you want to use, <laughs> it actually works out better. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I want to just explore with you, we're of different generations, so I'm wondering if there's a generational difference, but why do you think as women, we get this message so much that we're not supposed to speak up or we're supposed to be nice or we're supposed to be likable when in fact, really, if we just focused on being who we were, we'd be more effective. Kathleen, we need more people like you to step out <laughs> of paths and behave differently. So thank you for that. I love this message and I love the concept of of not fitting in and not behaving. Because if we all behave the same all the time, this world will be super boring and never evolve. But it is understandable why we might tend to do this, firstly, to behave and to fit in. Because at an innate level, I think we yearn for acceptance and belonging. And it's, again, proven in research that people prefer to interact with those similar to themselves and tend to treat them more favorably because we operate under this assumption that they'll respond and act like us so we can trust them. But this is most often an accurate assumption. Yet we still try to behave so that we fit in and then are accepted and treated more fairly. Um, But as you've experienced in your life from everything that you've done, by not behaving, by not trying to fit in and truly embracing our authentic self, I find that the benefits are extensive. Things such as networking are easier because people gravitate towards you and your authenticity will decrease our blind spots because we'll have more energy to see what's around us, both literally and figuratively. Think if you're going into an interview and you're so myopically focused on being somebody that you're not, you have this tunnel vision on just the person across the table from you. But if you're comfortable with who you are, able to interact with the world around you, you sit in that chair, you're having this negotiation, you can see over the the interviewer's shoulder their college diploma and the university, and you might have a connection to that. So you can open up and bring that into the conversation and help the negotiation. But if you walked in without this confidence, you would have never even seen that or anything else in the room. So I think being our authentic self is a role that comes really very easily, but it can feel so uncomfortable to do at first because we're not used to it. We're often trying to be someone we're not. But as with most things, it really does get easier with time. It does. You know, I don't know if it's an age thing, although, again, I think you've you've tapped into this a little sooner than I did. Uh, The other thing that really strikes me is you know, like when I started speaking, so, you know, I decide in 2008, I'm going to go from being a therapist to being a national speaker, kind of bold when I look back, but it worked out. And so I, um, you know, when I would get up on stage those first couple of years, I would feel very constricted, like I was supposed to be like the speaker before me or the speaker after me. And, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I worked with a speaking coach who was really effective in opening me up and saying, just be who you are. And, and what you said in terms of the research and, and your experience is that I got more speaking engagements when I would get on stage and be me than if I had practiced to the nth degree and tried to be like somebody else. So there's kind of this law of attraction when you're, yeah. do, do you find that as well? That, you know, when you're truly yourself, things work out differently? Oh, absolutely. People are, gravitate towards that. You're, you're releasing 
all of these plans and ideas and concepts and you can let the world sort of shift and, and, and move in ways that make it better for you. I, I think I was trying to script my life too much in my younger years and trying to fit in all of these different molds and it just never felt right. And it, things would break down all the time around me. And it's when you just do what you, you did with your speaking, Kathleen, and you be you, um, it all starts to fall into place. Yeah. So in a minute, we're going to come back. I have to take a quick break for our sponsor, um, but we're going to come back and we're going to shift gears in terms of what we're talking about. It's going to be your authentic self and not fitting in, but how that can play out in negotiations and be helpful. So I am with Shannon McCoby, and she is talking to me about why it makes sense to not always be so well behaved. And we'll be back in a minute. Do you work hard, accomplish a lot, but still struggle to ask for what you're worth? Maybe you're good with numbers and finance, but find conversations about fees and salaries especially tricky. Or maybe you wanna make peace with money, but despite your best efforts, you haven't been able to change your approach or build better habits that actually stick. Just something is standing in your way. If this is you, you can become a confident negotiator. I'm offering a masterclass in negotiation that will help you ask and get the compensation you deserve. You wanna to go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and check out all the details. If you think you're a powerful woman who's ready to do some coaching with me in a group 101 and with an accountability partner, then definitely apply. And if you mention this podcast, I will give you 10% off the already reasonable fee for the course. I hope you will take advantage of this opportunity and I look forward to working with you and getting to know you better and ultimately helping you become a confident negotiator. I am here with Shannon McCombe and we are talking about being well-behaved and it's overrated for women. And so we talked a lot about your career and a little bit about being your authentic self prior to the break. And now I want to switch gears and talk about negotiation. When women bring their authentic self, when they're negotiating, they actually are perceived differently than their male counterparts. And there is some research out there. So this is something I struggle with. And I'm wondering, because you do work here too, Shannon, in terms of negotiating and negotiating salaries, how do we work around that? So we're supposed to be our authentic selves, but if we bring our authentic selves to the negotiation, we can be a victim of gender bias. So I know that's a big question, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. Simply, we need to stop trying to be someone we're not. I guess that's a very basic answer. A little bit more to it. In the 1960s, a few years before I was born, women I know started to wear these big boxy suits so they could look like a man and presumably be accepted in the workplace. And in male-dominated industries, even today, I too often see women speaking gruff and tough to fit in when that's not their true nature. And each time we behave like this or similarly, we push people away and we create this mistrust. And I know that the intention is to be accepted, but these actions and behaviors have a reverse effect. As soon as we dress or act or talk like someone we're not, we completely block connection. If I could, I'd love to share a little anecdote. Yeah, um, I would love that. Go for it. A few years ago, I was at this black tie gala and I was with my family 
my brother and my dad were in tuxedos and my mother and I were in evening gowns. And there was this celebrity figure whose name I'll exclude on this forum. But he approached me and my mom telling us how beautiful we are, how great our dresses look, donning us with compliments. And then he went to my dad and my brother and he had a separate conversation with them on business and world events. Oh, sorry. And then it gets better, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the evening, this gentleman comes back to my dad and brother and he offers his business card to them. And then he comes to me and my mother to once again tell us how beautiful we look and all these great compliments. And so as he starts to walk away, I took out my business card because he never asked me for mine. And at that time, I was with Naval Special Warfare Development Group and one of the SEAL teams. And I handed it to him and he looked at me and he looked at my card and he looked back at me and said, oh, Needless to say, he stayed a, a bit longer as he now wanted to get my opinion on a few of the world events. So my advice on how to get past all this is to dress, speak, behave how you are and let the world catch up to your greatness. Those that don't matter will walk away and those that do will be hanging around a bit longer. I love that. Catch up to your greatness. What a great, what a wow for him to be able to get a sense of like, wow, I really blew it. Mm -hmm. But kudos to him to then have the humility to acknowledge it and uh, stay around and chat and exchange business cards with me too. Right. And, and when it comes to negotiation, I think one of the things that's hard is that, you know, we know we're up against these things. Or even your story reminds me of like, you know, athletes and, and the questions that they ask, you know, female tennis players versus male tennis players. Uh, it doesn't matter what sport it is. And so, you know, one of the things I think is similar to what you you are, is that we need to be aware of these biases, but mm -hmm. we need to just be who we are, do the best we can. And if there's an opportunity to call people on it, and you mm -hmm. did it in a very lovely way, that we, you know, that's an example of not being well behaved. You just didn't swallow it. You said, no, this man mm -hmm. needs to know that I got I got it going on. <laughs> um, so I think that's a really great uh, corrective uh, behavior. And hopefully he won't do that again. Do you think he will? Or do you think he learned his lesson? I think he probably learned his lesson. I, I think so. And I think that's a great point you bring up, Kathleen. We should be not behave and we should push our, our boundaries. But we need to make, make sure that we do so with respect and, and confidence and, and even a, a bit of humility. If we do it in, in those ways, we'll be able to continue to grow and evolve and, and get our seat at the table more appropriately. Yeah, I think so. I think it's when, you know, a lot of times people will think, well, I have to act like a man or I have to be a bully in negotiations. And I was like, you know what, if you're not a bully in life, first of all, I don't think you should be a bully in negotiation. But second of all, if you're not a bully in life, then you really should show up who you are. And I think you raise the issue of when we're authentic, we actually create more trust with the other person. And when we're at the negotiation table, we want to build that trust with the other person, especially if it's somebody we're going to be working with for a while. That's correct. So being authentic, though, does not mean putting all your cards on the table. That's the other thing. I think people get confused mm -hmm. in negotiation with, I need to show up to be who I am, so I'm just going to tell you everything. Now, what's the biggest mistake you see women making and maybe it relates to this of they think being authentic is talking too much or like, what is your experience? What's the biggest mistake? Sure. In my experience, um, men tend to come to the negotiating table leading with facts. They express why they deserve the job or the raise or the new project, whatever it might be. And they explain how they'll accomplish it. And then they embrace the silence. Whereas women, we often crave acceptance and connection and have an inherent fear of rejection. 
So we often come to the table and we lead with emotions. We say why we think or we would like or we would hope and we provide the facts of the situation in a more amorphous way. And then when there's silence, we often get nervous and then fill it with, if it's too soon, we can discuss it again. I'm so sorry to trouble you. Uh, I'll leave you alone. I'll be back in a few weeks. We self-sabotage when instead we should lead with the facts, embrace the silence and stand up for our, our worth. I actually write out a post-it note when I'm negotiating on the phone or negotiating through Zoom, shut up on a <laughs> because I need to, you know, I'm highly verbal. I have a lot to say and I'm a big sharer, but mm -hmm. in a negotiation, I think that's true. Now you told me a story. I would love for you to share it, a story when we had our pre-call about a woman where you were negotiating with her, you were the person hiring her. Can you, mm -hmm. do you remember that story? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was with, uh, while I was with a fortune 30 company and I was hiring for my team and I was interviewing this brilliant female candidate. She was excellent. And I knew she'd bring great value to our team. And so we got to the initial stages of salary negotiation. And when I asked her, she shared what she expected in compensation. I responded at an amount lower expecting a negotiation and she immediately accepted the lower amount. And I knew that she valued herself more than this, but she was unable in that moment to speak to her worth. So we agreed on that lower amount, shook hands, and she departed. And when she received her offer letter, it was for a higher salary than she had even asked for. And so when she started the team, she asked me why I offered her more than she even asked. And I told her that I hope this moment would resonate with her the next time that she was in a negotiation, that she remembers her worth and her value, and that she believes it and demands it. And she's been thriving in that company ever since. That is so awesome and like so gracious. I actually shared a version of that story in a seminar I did the other day, obviously didn't mention your name or anything, but people were so stunned and so thrilled that you would mentor somebody in that way. What wow. led you, I know it's so sweet though, so many people would not have done that. So why do you think you made that choice? I sat in her seat not very many years before that, and I totally gave myself a cut in salary that I shouldn't have. And the person on the other side of the table for me <laughs> just said, okay. Yeah. I, think, I think we need to help each other out. And we're all in this world together. We're all learning together. And we all get to different points in life where we know something more or we're learning. And if we can help each other out, we'll, we'll all be in a better place. I, mean, I gave her the right salary because she deserved it. And then she ended up being an extraordinary member of the team because she felt worthy and valuable. Yeah, I do think it comes back. The other thing is we started with being your authentic self and getting to know you a little bit. I think that's really just who you are. And so in some ways in that negotiation, you also were your authentic self. So that's just a really cool story. I um, hope to be in that position someday and be able uh, to do that. I know I've spontaneously given raises to people when they haven't asked because I thought they should be asking by now. Um, so it's just kind of cool to, to, to kind of pay it forward. So time goes so fast, Shannon, and there is so much more I could ask you about in terms of this topic. But because we do need to keep this to probably 25 minutes, tell me a little bit about kind of what advice would you want to leave our listeners with? And remember, our listeners are either women entrepreneurs or they are financial advisors who work with them. I would like the listeners to try to play rock, paper, scissors, and thumb wrestle at the same time. I have to stop you. You are the first one to make that recommendation in 150 podcasts. <laughs> well, great, because I don't recommend it. <laughs> we can't do it. 
<laughs> it's multitasking and we can't multitask. Something always suffers. And similarly, if we're trying to be someone else and we're trying to fit in, we're trying to multitask and we're going to fail. So this poses the challenge of who are we? So my advice is to take the time to figure out what motivates you, what makes you happy, what brings you passion, not what we think others want us to say or do or what is trendy, but what genuinely fulfills us. Because we oftentimes morph to the image that others, society, social media imposes on us. And if this is not you, which it likely isn't, we need to work to find out who you are at your core and arrive that way. So if a company or an organization or a person doesn't want you for who you are authentically, there's a good chance your tenure in that group would have been short-lived anyway, so you're saving everyone time. So my parting advice would be to figure out who you are and then shamelessly be you. No excuses or disclaimers, just you. Shamelessly be you. I'm going to write, that's going to be right next to my shut up. I just love that. I love that. So um, Shannon, it's been really fun to break money silence with you today. Where can people find out more about what you're up to? Because it sounds like your path will continue to be interesting and authentic. Thank you, Kathleen. I really appreciate being here with, with you and your audience today. Not doing what is expected also fits into this answer because I'm not on social media. I understand its importance and the goodness it brings to many, but it doesn't for me. Um, but I am on LinkedIn, so your guests can find me on LinkedIn or at my website, which is www.skmacombie.com. Awesome. We will put those links in the show notes. And again, it's been great having this conversation with you. Likewise, Kathleen. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Balance Wealth, an advisory firm that views you as more than a number. We know you deserve to partner with a team of professionals who care about you and your goals and empower you to make educated decisions about retirement. Your success is our success. And at Balanced Wealth, we will be with you every step of the way. To learn more, visit balancewealth.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.